everybody to another episode of can you dig it a podcast by the silver screen and roll network christian i switch roles today which we'll explain here in a bit but i am one of your co-hosts jacob uh with me as always christian uh how have you spent your time in quarantine christian uh mostly trying to produce content for the site which i know it's just writing from home and i should be grateful that i even you know, can still work and will be making money. Uh, but to say it's easy money would would not be accurate. It is <laughs> incredibly hard to to come up with content, especially when you weren't prepared for it. Like in the off season, especially this off season when the Lakers aren't going to be players in the draft. I mean, they'll have their draft pick, but I'm pretty sure they'll flip it. Um, I I was ready for that. I was I was ready for June and. You know, hopefully a good June if if the if the Lakers made it far enough. But yeah, now it's to have all of this come crashing down at, at all at once. I don't think Harrison or myself were ready, but we've hit our post count every day, <laughs> which is remarkable. So far, so, yeah. So far, yeah. And uh, uh, it's been it was overwhelming at first, and now it's like okay, now what do we do? Can yeah. you guys spread all that news out a little bit? Um. Today, obviously, there isn't any sort of Laker news. Um, so we are going to rip off an idea straight from Bill Simmons, which I'm sure will make many people listening to this happy. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a rewatchables, basically, if you guys haven't listened. That's actually one of the better things that um, I think The Ringer does is the, their rewatchable movies podcast and... His recent Bill Simmons' recent book of basketball podcast, he did it for some games too, some NBA games. So I straight ripped off the idea, took all of his categories, and we're going to do it for the 2010 finals. <laughs> um, it should be fun. I took a lot of notes because I have not done anything during the quarantine other than watch TV and movies. I haven't caught up on Better Call Saul. I've watched a bunch of movies that I've been needing to watch. Um so this was right in my wheelhouse. I was ready to to sit down and take some notes. Um, you know what's funny? I'm I'm probably gonna get flamed from anybody that listens to it to listen to this podcast and also follows me on Twitter. But like two of the most monumental, for lack of a better word, television shows since I've been alive, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones, I just haven't watched. And why haven't you started them? You literally have no excuse <laughs> right now. Well, I just have to wait. Like, literally all I have been doing is sitting in front of my laptop and waiting for something to happen. Really praying for something to happen. But, um, yeah, nothing so far. The Lakers, the Lakers got tested for the coronavirus on Wednesday. And they're hoping to hear the, the results back by Friday. But until then, I'm, I don't expect to hear much. Um, so, really, that's all that's going on. And uh, so that that's why we're doing... This blatant Bill Simmons ripoff, and I agree. I really enjoy uh, the Ringer podcast that they have, um, and so hopefully this podcast is 
equally as enjoyable. And with you manning the ship, Jacob, I have no doubt that it will be. Uh, yeah, I, it was my idea. And as I said, I took a bunch of notes. Uh, so I figured I could main the ship for this one. Hopefully it's fun. And if it is, we can find some more games. NBA just announced that League Pass is basically, or not even basically, it's a little, it's free for everyone. Um, they have some archive games. It's not a very expansive list. I haven't looked what other Laker games are on there. So, uh, we can look on there and see if there's other Laker games we can do rewatchables on, but we're going to start with this one. Cause honestly, it's probably the biggest Lakers win in my lifetime. I think I'm a, that might be I'm trying to think, um, it's definitely bigger than any of their three-peat wins. So this is uh, probably the most memorable game in a long time. So we're going to jump in, uh, kind of set the table for you first. I mean, coming into the season, most people assume this was going to be a Lakers-Cavs collision course again. Uh, it was supposed to be in 2009, and the Cavs choked in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um this was supposed to be what those Kobe and LeBron puppet commercials, I think Nike was the one that did those. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was supposed to be what those commercials were going to lead up to. Um, I'd like to imagine they had a bunch of really good commercials set for the finals that we will never get to see. <laughs> um, but this was a season, uh, I'm sure many of you remember it for those that don't. Kobe was hitting game winner after game winner during the regular season. He had six of them that, that regular season. Um, he had the, the one against Miami where he banked in a three pointer. Um, the Milwaukee ones, one of my favorites where if you listen to the Bucks broadcast they they literally yell no as he shoots it <laughs> or don't go in or something like that. It's amazing. He had one against the Celtics. I'm not going to remember all these. I think the Kings one he hit at the buzzer on like new year's Eve, maybe, um, he had a bunch of them. He was bailing this team out time and time again. Um, and the Lakers pretty much cruised uh, to the one seed. There um, wasn't much challenge, at least during the regular season, um, in the Western Conference. The Celtics, meanwhile, came in as the four seed. Um, it was actually the Cavs that had the one seed. The Magic were the two seed. The Hawks were the three seed. Um the Celtics finished 11 games back of the, or 11 wins back, I should say, of the Cavs. Um, but the Celtics go into the playoffs. They wax the um, Heat in the first round. And then they had the, I guess, now infamous series against the Cavs. LeBron's last game in his first go round with the Cavs um, beat them in six games. And then. Go up against Orlando and pretty much handled them, too. They went up 3-0 on them, uh, lost two games, but then won the s- game six fairly easily to get to the finals. Lakers, meanwhile, that was the, uh, in the first round, that was the OKC series. Uh, about a year before the Thunder got really good, and it was Pau Gasol that had the series winning tip-in. One of the one of my favorite Laker moments from that, those teams. Um And then second round, they go up against the Jazz, and Kobe, I remember him just being ruthless against the Jazz in the playoffs every year. They sweep the Jazz, and in the four games, Kobe scored 31, 30, 35, and 32 points. Um, 
he always, I guess he was taking or making up for those air balls he had that he just <laughs> always destroyed the Jazz in the playoffs. Um, and then that Sun series was a, a, a fun one in the Western Conference Finals. Fun only because the Lakers won. Um, you had Meta's game winner. Um, you had Sasha and Goran Dragic fighting their little beef. Um, <clears throat> and then Kobe's game six was incredible. Those that final about two minutes, some those two shots he hit were just unbelievable. And the butt tap to Alvin Gentry um, sets up uh, the finals everybody kind of wanted coming into the season. Um, and Lakers get their chance at revenge in 08. So series plays out. Game one, Lakers pretty much dominated. Kobe had 30. Um, game two was when Ray Allen set the three-point record with eight. Was so frustrating to watch. But we'll have pl- I have some stats on Ray Allen. Um, game three was one of my favorite uh, Lakers games. It was basically the Derek Fisher game. He took over in the fourth quarter in Boston. The Lakers win. Um, game four, I wrote the big baby drool game where they had the <laughs> slow-mo video of him yelling with just huge string of spit coming from his face as Nate Robinson jumps on him. Uh, Boston won that one. Uh, game five, Kobe went bonkers. I believe in the third quarter, he was... For a brief moment, it looked like he was going to challenge a single-quarter scoring record. He ended up with 38, but Boston won to go up 3-2. They come back to L.A. Game 6 was an absolute destruction. Lakers were up from the very get-go, beat the hell out of the out of the Celtics. And I guess the biggest storyline coming out of that game going into this one was that Kendrick Perkins tore his ACL. Um which gave Doc Rivers, as we have learned, a decade of excuses as to why they <laughs> lost this game. Um, which brings us to Game 7. I guess I'll start. Where were, you, where were you at when you watched this game? What do you remember kind of going into this game? Oh, man. I remember exactly where I was for this game. I lived in... a. We had lived... We had just moved into a house I had been living in for maybe a year. Uh, and we were, we were living high in the city of Chino, California. We got a, one of those big box, uh, flat, like it was before flat screen was around. Maybe I think, uh, I mean, all I knew was that giant box TV. Yep. Uh, and we were all huddled around that. My mom invited people over, made spaghetti, literally eating mom's spaghetti, uh, and knees, knees weak and arms heavy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what it felt like, man, that. That song is about the day I watched the Lakers play Game <laughs> Seven of the NBA Finals. Um, but no, it, I was sitting in a in a recliner at the time. I was just as interested in the Lakers as I think anybody in LA was. Like th- this is how my love for the Dodgers started too. It's just watching a, a team that is very popular in the postseason, uh, especially in a in a playoff setting where you see the same guys, you know, a few times a week. Uh, it's when it's when you know when you start to learn everybody's players, you start to know their tendencies, who's good, who's bad. Uh, and there were a lot of good players on the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. And we can just go down the roster: uh, Derek Fisher, Ron Artest, Lamar Odom, Kobe Bryant, Pau Gasol, Andrew Bynum, 
uh, who out of that list, I think people listening to now, kind of the younger generation, uh, thinks of Andrew Bynum as the guy that kind of just flamed out and never never had a good career. But Andrew Bynum was a stud, like yep. in conversation for best center center of the league. If Dwight Howard did not exist, but he did. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard was also very good for those listening that were born past the year 2000. Um, but yeah, it was a, a star-studded series. You got Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, Rajon uh, Rondo, uh, Kevin Garnett at n- not maybe not the height of his powers, but still a very good basketball player. Um, just a, a really, really exciting series. Uh, and from the pain that Lakers fans had, from 2008 it really was just god i hope we get him this time because last time was so humiliating and i don't think i can go through it again i'm not one to normally turn off games at least at that time i wasn't in losses and whatnot and i very vividly remember in that 08 finals game six kg had like this one-handed shot that he got fouled falling over and banked it in and I just said, you know, F this, turned it off, walked away. And about five minutes later, at the time, my dad was a semi-truck driver. And he uh, he liked to take jabs at me every now and then. And he called me and he said, uh, are the Celtics playing the Lakers tonight? And I thought he was like, he had heard the score and he wanted to make fun of me. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. And I like hung up on him. And he calls me back. He goes, no, really, are they playing in Boston tonight? Because I need to take a stop. And if it's in Boston, I don't want to stop in Boston tonight. And I was like, yes, they're playing in Boston and hung up on them again. So I took that one tough, uh, as I'm sure many of us did. So getting back to this uh, to this moment was big enough, but there's no way I could have handled them losing to the Celtics again. Um, so the game the game starts, and the first thing – that's evident is this game was physical as hell. Like everything was inside the Lakers first four possessions. They got offensive rebounds. They had like nine offensive rebounds in their first four or five possessions. Um, They I'll have a stat on it later, but they finished, I believe with 23 offensive rebounds as a team, which is absurd. Um, The other big takeaway, which was evident throughout the game is Kobe forced every shot in oh, that yeah. game. He and I I mean he said it after the fact, but he wanted it basically too much. Um there were a couple moments where later in the game especially it looked a little more natural, but that first quarter, really the whole first half, he was forcing every shot he took. And the Celtics took advantage of there's a at one point the Lakers um were down the or this was in the second quarter. So after the first quarter, they're down 23-14. And Ron Artest came alive in the second quarter, the most improbable of, of heroes, uh, especially for uh, Lakers fans. He was kind of boom or bust, and uh, he was a, a huge boom on this night. Scored 12 points in the second quarter. Um, drug the Lakers back into the game. Um, Celtics went scoreless the first seven minutes and 14 seconds in the second quarter to let the Lakers get back in that game. That was one of the other big takeaways was just how good this Lakers team was defensively, um, especially on this night. And yeah, they're at, at one point they show the stat, the Lakers and 
about midway through the second quarter, we're 11 of 41, and we're only down two points because they had 14 offensive rebounds. Um, and Meta was also tasked with guarding Paul Pierce, and one of the favorite sequences in the game was him getting tangled up with Paul Pierce and then him just doing kind of his little antics. And at some point he knocks Paul Pierce's headband headband down over his eyes. And Paul Pierce is trying to act tough, just like staring at Meta with a headband over his eyes. He can't even see him, just kind of getting in his face. Um, of course, Joey Crawford comes flying in and overreacts and gives everybody a double technical. Um, which the officiating crew for this game was cool. Joey Crawford, Scott Foster, and Dan Crawford. Oof. Um, <laughs> not great. Uh, but the Celtics pretty much controlled the game because the Lakers just could not do anything offensively. Um, at halftime, they were up. Uh, I was trying to pull it up. I can't get the exact. It would have been 40 to 34 they were up. Then they start the third quarter on a 9-2 run to go up 13. And I'm not going to lie, I got really worried. Um, I had some here-we-go-again thoughts. Uh, but the Lakers answered with their own 9-2 run. It was capped off with a Lamar Odom putback. He was as huge as Ron was in the second quarter. He was huge in the third quarter. Um, he scored six, I think, of his seven points. Yeah, six of his seven points in the third quarter. Had five rebounds, two assists. For a good chunk of the third quarter, he was being guarded by Glenn Davis and just took advantage of it. Um, something I didn't remember was Derek Fisher left the game for a pretty extended amount of time after basically doing the splits, slipping on the floor and doing the splits near midcourt. There was about a seven-minute stretch between the third and fourth quarter where Shannon Brown was in the game, uh, Derek Fisher was in the locker room. Um, but Odom was huge in the third quarter. The Lakers got it down to four, and then Gasol was huge in the fourth quarter. Um, he was huge the whole night, really. Yeah, I was just going to say, I yeah. I completely, not that it was lost on me how good Pal Gasol was, but I think this, the the two playoff series in 2009 and 2010, I just think he wanted to show that he wasn't soft. Um, and mm-hmm. if there was ever a game for him to show that, it's game seven of the NBA Finals, and boy, did he do it. I mean, he was he was just an absolute monster on the boards. Uh, and it's, re- re-watching the game, it's it's just so clear that, you know, he wasn't just a role player, like a, a good role player on this Lakers team. He was a superstar player, Kobe's number two option, uh, and and I I honestly don't think they win that game without him. They don't nope, they don't win not a chance. Uh, 2009 or 2010 without him. He absolutely had his big boy pants on for this game. <laughs> um, Gasol opens a fourth with an and one. Meta ties the game at 61 with an and one. Uh, Ray Allen goes three or four at the line. He missed one and it like shocked the entire Staples Center crowd into like going absolutely crazy. It was kind of a funny sequence. Um, then Fisher hits a huge three with about six minutes left to tie the game. Uh, Kobe hit two free throws and then hit a pull-up jumper, um, put Lakers up four. Boston called a timeout 
And that was kind of the first moment I remember, like, we might actually do this. Um, at the time, I thought, okay, Kobe's Kobe's back. He's fine. We're going to do this. He was not back, but um, <laughs> he, he, he put us up four at least. Uh, the Celtics, through the first eight minutes and 15 seconds of the fourth quarter, had seven points. Um, the Lakers' defense was unreal in this entire game. Um, and then the final pretty much 90 seconds, I'm sure about everybody remembers, Gasol gets the the layup on the baseline, um, spins to the baseline, actually traveled, but they didn't call it. Only the slow-mo replay caught it, but he uh, gets the layup. Boston calls a timeout as he goes back down court yelling. And then the most infuriating thing happens, and the Celtics just start hitting every three they take. Um, Rasheed Wallace hits this high arcing three, uh, cuts it down to three, and then Meta World Peace's famous, uh, most famous shot of his career, definitely as a Laker, um, hits the three with about a minute left, uh, put the Lakers back up six. Ray Allen comes back and hits a three. And then the Celtics do this weird kind of half court or half press. Like they weren't sure. There's about 40 seconds left. They weren't sure if they were going to foul. And like, so half the team was just standing around, which led to Rondo guarding Pau Gasol. So when Kobe missed a three pointer, Pau just kind of reached over Rondo, got the rebound. Kobe gets fouled, hits both free throws. Uh, he hit two free throws with 25 seconds left in a two point game. Um, kind of underrated it definitely would have been talked about if he missed it but he made both of them on a night where the lakers were horrid from the free throw line they finished 25 of 37 uh i mean just reading their shooting stats they shot 32 percent from the field four of 20 from three and 67 percent at the line and they won the nba title <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, then Rondo hits a three because, of course, he did. Uh, I actually did the math. So in the final 90 seconds, the two teams were four of six from three. The rest of the game, they were six of 30. Um, and then Vujicic comes in and hits his two biggest shots as a Laker, some ice-cold free throws with 11 seconds left. Uh, they showed Kobe's reaction, which I love. The He, like, leans back on the second free throw and then gives a huge fist pump when it goes in. Um, and then Celtics call a timeout. They inbound. Rondo finally misses a three. Odom gets the rebound, and one of the underrated, brilliant plays just throws it down court. Um, and then everybody knows Kobe chasing the, the ball down and as a uh, – the final horn sounds and the Lakers win. So we'll start off with uh, the most rewatchable sequence. What would you have as the most rewatchable sequence? Well, I think that that answer is pretty obvious. Um, I think seeing Ron Artest make that three pointer. And then I, I will never forget to this day. I, I, again, moderate basketball fan, but, but seeing Ron Artest, lift both of his hands up like a gladiator was <laughs> basking in the glory at Staples Center. I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the coolest man on the planet. And then it's so funny, though, because Ron Artest was so menacing and just like an absolute dog on the court. Then he has his 
legendary post-game press conference where he's just completely acting a fool. It's like, that's so funny. I wrote wrote a bit about our test on Silver Screen and Roll the other day, and it, it just made me appreciate the journey he went on from the beginning of his time with the Lakers uh, to the very end, maybe not the second stint. I mean, I appreciate what he did <laughs> as a mentor, but uh, yeah, definitely my, I mean, that has to be the most rewatchable sequence of that game. He, uh, he walks down court, like you said, his hands out, he blows a kiss to the crowd. And I remember a interview recently, he said he had more of a celebration plan, but like, I think Lamar Odom hadn't run back on defense, so he was like calling out a defensive switch, and he was saying that he's still mad at Lamar for that because he still had more he wanted to do after hitting that shot. Um, I would agree that's the most rewatchable sequence. The only two other nominees I had were that Gasol layup, um, mainly for his celebration, him just running back down court, just letting out like a primal scream, um, because I'm pretty sure that's what I did when he made it. And then just the final, Kobe chasing the ball down. Um, All three of those. Really, probably the final 90 seconds as a whole, you could say, was the most rewatchable sequence. Because that includes everything from the Gasol layup to the final buzzer. Um, Because things went pretty wild there in those final 90 seconds. It's like they didn't have any sort of offense for the entire game. And then... Out of nowhere, everybody remembered how to shoot. So, but yeah, I think the answer is Meta's three. Uh, what's aged the best for you? I have a handful of nominees, so I'll let you start first. What's aged the best for me from this game? Oof. Well, it, it's hard to say because most of these guys have fallen out of the league. And like even a few years after the fact, just weren't good NBA players anymore. Uh, but I think the, the thing that's, aged the best to me is how good Derek Fisher shooting was like I I <laughs> yeah. was a Derek Fisher stan I have his up. jersey yeah well it's a good it was a good jer- jersey to have at the time like by no means was he a superstar player like he is the definition of a role player didn't play much defense but boy could he knock down three-pointers and big mm-hmm. three-point shots too uh this game, he didn't need to do that much of that. Like, the offense was coming from different places, whether it be, you know, Pow or, or Runner Test. But Derek Fisher's, the, the few shots that he did hit were just so good. And, like, looking back and rewatching it, I'm glad that holds up because I didn't think it would. I thought the, you know, legend of Derek Fisher and the big shots he hit just carried out with me throughout my entire life and I think a lot of it has to do with that but I mean when when the Lakers went to him with the ball um not all of them were three-pointers but uh his (laughs) that funky shot goes in man that lefty shot uh, whenever they needed him he was uh he was pretty reliable so I'd say that's that's aged the best and I I really didn't expect it to uh which is probably why I'd, I'd choose that Fisher was incredibly clutch um like you mentioned he hit some massive shots not just this series obviously everybody remembers 09 against the magic the three-pointer he hit i'm trying to think was it game four maybe um in orlando where he comes down and 
There's like five seconds left. They need a three, and for some reason, Jameer Nelson just doesn't foul. Um, and he hits a three, and then in overtime, buries a three with like a minute left and winks at Kobe as he backpedals down court. Um, I absolutely love Fisher. I actually didn't have that down, but that was a great one because he hit some huge shots. And it was definitely noticeable. I mentioned I didn't remember him being hurt. Um, this was actually the first time I've rewatched the whole game in probably whew, close to 10 years, maybe. Um, and I did not remember him being hurt, and it was very noticeable. Shannon Brown was a very serviceable role player, a very serviceable bench guy. But there was a huge difference between Fisher and <laughs> Shannon Brown. Um, so, And they pointed it out at one point in the broadcast. They said, if Fisher can't come back, like, that changes everything, and right about then he checked back into the game. So um, the first two things I wrote down were just Pau Gasol and Ron Artest's performance. Like, I remembered both of them having big games. Ron Artest was everywhere in this game, especially in the first half, and he bailed the Lakers out offensively, which is not a sentence I thought I would ever say. Yeah, uh, especially that season, because I – I think the expectation at the time was for him to have some fall off from his just really just a dream season with the, with the Rockets the season before he averaged like close to 17. Yeah. Some 17.1 points per game um, on 39.9% shooting from the field and not on, on low attempts either. It was 5.6 attempts per game which isn't that much by today's standards. But, I mean, by at, at that time, that was uh, he was among the most prolific three-point shooters in the NBA. So uh, for him to, to decline in his season with the Lakers, uh, shoot 41.4% from the field, 35.5% from three, uh, for him to hit those big shots, I don't think anybody saw that coming. I think, at least uh, speaking just from my personal experience watching him in the playoffs that year, uh, seeing him open and shoot the ball, it was just kind of like cross your fingers and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for him to show, show up the way he did, uh, I I think when you talk about unlikely heroes, he, he was the one. He was the ultimate no, no, no. Yes. Type of player. (laughs) Like that three pointer, um, with a minute left was the ultimate no, 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 yes shot. Uh, Because, like, on one hand, he had to shoot it. And there was actually, I wrote it down, um, like, one of the very first possessions, he caught the ball at the wing and didn't shoot. And Mark Jackson literally said uh, the exact quote, Ron Artest has to be ready to catch and shoot because Paul Pierce is just ignoring him. And by the end of the game, he was ready. Um, (laughs) That was the biggest shot of his career. Uh, the toughness of this team was another thing I think that aged best. This was that wasn't there in 2008, and it was very much there um, in 2010. This team was gritty. Um, they were physical. Bynum and Gasol were in the first quarter were beating the hell out of them inside. Nothing was going in, but um, they were just beating up the Celtics without Perkins and with a uh, Rasheed Wallace that was pretty limited at that point in his career. The The Lakers were just overwhelming them inside. Uh, Garnett got in early foul trouble um, because of the size the Lakers had. Um, 
which speaking of Rashid, I put down his reaction after being ever being called for a foul. I absolutely miss that, and I loved watching that for <laughs> 48 or uh, however long. Yeah, 48 minutes. Uh, that was incredible to watch. He had one where he straight. I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Kobe, where he caught him across the forearm, and the ref calls a foul, and he just throws his hands on his head like you couldn't possibly call that on me type of face. I love that. I miss that. We need more people like Rashid Wallace um, <laughs> back in the league because that he was incredible. Uh, the crowd uh, was another one. They were loud the entire game. Yeah, say what say what you will about Lakers fans and how wishy-washy they can be. But if if you get Lakers fans in a playoff atmosphere and you put good basketball in front of them, they will reward you as good as any fans in the NBA. Like I remember during this Warriors run how electric uh the Oracle Arena was and just thinking like wow, I want like thinking back like I can't remember off the top of my head, but I imagine Staples Center probably rivals this in a in a playoff setting. And in rewatching it, I was like, "Oh yeah, buddy, it does." Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, it absolutely rivals Oracle. Like after the game, the three people they interviewed on the podium were uh, Jerry or uh, Jerry Buss, um, Phil Jackson, and Kobe, and all three of them went out of their way to compliment the crowd because there was really. The only time they really kind of got down was that run to start the third quarter where the Lakers went down 13. And I think everybody in the building had a here we go again type of feeling. Um, the biggest ser- I think maybe the biggest sequence of the game was that the Lakers immediately went on a 9 2 run after that to get right back into the game. Because the fans, after uh, Odom got that put back on a fast break, the fans were going ballistic. It was a four-point game again, and they I don't know that they sat down the rest of the game. Um, another thing that aged the best, Ray Allen being unbelievably ice cold. Uh, yeah. It, it was. <laughs> he And it wasn't even, like, contested shots. Like, he was bricking wide-open jumpers. I don't know to what degree the Lakers were just, like, it'd be hard to say just don't guard him. But yeah, absolutely. They weren't really running out all that hard on a couple of those shots, and he was he was so far in his own head. Um, this was supposed to be at the top. The finals intro, which, I mean, I think they still have it, but it is absolutely amazing. I love watching it every time. The ABC intro into the game with all the old clips and the yeah. old broadcasts and everything. I don't know if that technically counts because I think they still have a version of it, but... It was. It's always awesome watching that. And then you mentioned his post-game press conference. Meta did a interview on the court, which was <laughs> way more ridiculous than I remember. Doris Burke was a sideline reporter. She grabs him and asks him. It was some some kind of generic question, like what was it like picking up the offense on tonight? And I don't think Meta heard a single word she said because <laughs> <laughs> he immediately is like. He his first thing was that he thanked everyone from his hood, <laughs> um, and then started thanking doctors and psychiatrists. And uh, he's like, "Sorry, I didn't hear your question. Oh yeah, I have a single coming out. I recorded a song <laughs> called Champions. I recorded it last year. I'm so excited. 
hugs Doris Burke and then runs off. Never answered a question. <laughs> never said a word about the game. It was unbelievable. Um, so I guess if you had to pick one, what would you say aged the best from this game? Oh man. Well, I now that I'm now that I'm thinking about it, the thing that made me laugh the most was <laughs> was that interview. And somebody somebody brought this up um, to me the other day on on Twitter. I'm trying to pull it up. Uh, but the crux of of his uh, okay okay it is uh, from somebody that follows me called uh, at weird egg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he said I will never forget his encore interview after they won uh, it all where he thanked his therapist. Sure it was fun and pure meta, but I wonder how many young boys saw that and had uh, therapy d- destigmatized. And I had never thought of that before, but that is an excellent point. Like. I remember the narrative around Ron Artest at the time was that he was a little off his rocker and needed to see a psychiatrist and therapist. And it's like the reality of the situation is most NBA players need a little help when it comes to their mental health. We all do. So I thought that was nice, uh, worth bringing up. But, I mean, the whole him dropping a single, which – Champion uh, <laughs> is a certified banger, by the 100%, 100%. way. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But uh, yeah, that 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 and the Wheaties post game press conference. Uh, Kobe passed me the ball. It's it's just when you think back to championship teams, I think some teams can just be good and like not fun. Like maybe it was a little bit of the redundancy or the repetitiveness of the those Warriors teams, but towards the end there, it just didn't feel fun. The 2010 Lakers, I think even more than the 2009 Lakers, were just, they were a fun team. Like, everybody on that team was fun to watch. Big personalities. Pau Gasol's a big old sweetheart, and mm-hmm. it, I don't know. I, I, beyond them just winning a championship, there's teams that, will always hold a special place in Lakers fans' hearts just because um, of the camaraderie they had or, you know, specifically skilled players. Like, re-watching Lamar Odom, I was, even if this wasn't his best game, the way he can carry the ball up and down the court at his size and how smooth it looked, uh, I don't know. I I think of everybody on that team, he'd probably be better best suited for today's NBA. Like he was incredible. I've said that many times. He would be an incredible player. He was probably 10 years ahead of his time, five years ahead of his time. He would be absolutely incredible in today's NBA. And yeah, there were just moments where he got the ball um, and just, he had one where he just blew right by his defender and took it right to the rim and finished a layup. And it's just like, this dude is seven feet tall doing that. Like, it was incredible to watch. Um, Meta is, just everything about him is a great, great choice. I would say that I would have to pick the crowd. Because, again, I didn't remember them being that loud and that into it. Um, And they also had an incredible amount of celebrities there. They did three different like celebrity pans like coming out of a commercial showing people there there was an absolute who's who I should have written it down uh 
Leonardo DiCaprio was there, I remember. Denzel was there. Jack was obviously there. Um, just anybody. Had, Christina Aguilera, I think she sang the national anthem before the game. Um, Sounds right. Sounds like were, a very 2010 thing. <laughs> yeah, there were so many people there. Um, but yeah, I, I'd have to pick the crowd. Uh, what's age the worst? I actually don't have many things because I guess because we won the game, so nothing aged <laughs> badly. Uh, I'll go first. I put Rasheed Wallace's performance as a Lakers fan. That still annoyed me uh, watching him. I mean, he played well, and that's what was annoying <laughs> is that uh, he was old as hell, had a back injury. Um, he was 35 in that or in that series had not played more than like 15 minutes really at all in the postseason got forced into the starting lineup played 35 minutes had 11 points eight rebounds uh two assists was five of 11 from the field hit some ridiculous shots in the post like at at a certain point it seemed like he was getting revenge for the 2000 western conference finals when he lost to the lakers i was like i remember in the moment thinking this cannot be happening because of rasheed wallace <laughs> it yeah that i mean that sounds right i'd i'd put that up there uh the thing that struck me in rewatching this is i think celtics twitter has tricked me into believing that Paul Pierce was at one point like a really good player. <laughs> like <was> very average. <laughs> I think like, I, I understand he was good and, you know, a, a little respect to uh, an LA legend. He is, he, even if he was a Celtic, he is from LA. So I, I'll give him that. But for as much as Celtics fans and Bill Simmons, who we ripped this podcast off, talks about how <laughs> God awful, uh, Kobe Bryant was in that game seven and make no mistake. He was Kobe was very bad in that game. Yes. Oh, Paul Pierce was just as bad for the Celtics. Like the putting their stat lines up against each other. Paul Pierce had 18, 10, 18 points, 10 rebounds uh, and three turnovers. Kobe Bryant had 23 points, 15 rebounds and four turnovers. Like I, I don't know. I, I, if you're going to talk about how bad Kobe was in that game, you also have to talk about how bad Paul Pierce and, and Rondo were like Rondo as much as he's credited for being like a really crafty playmaker and, and, you know, a dog on the defensive end, even at the time, I think he was a little overrated. And I, mm -hmm. it, I honestly, I understand I come off as like a bitter Lakers fan who just grew up, didn't like not liking Rondo at all. Um, but I think in hindsight, he was, he, he, he had the benefit of playing for a really good Celtics team, uh, and, and, and was just a little overrated. He, I mean, the Lakers did an incredible job defending him by just not just having Kobe play free safety against him. Um, just absolutely tanked the spacing. That's one of the things I wrote was just the offense on both sides was just atrocious, Part of it was neither team shot the ball particularly well, but also this was probably one of the last years where there really wasn't a whole lot of kind of the pace and space offense and the three-point shooting and whatnot. And 
This game was a slog offensively. It was ugly to watch. Um, I will say another thing I actually didn't have written down because I just kind of forgot about it. Ray Allen kind of gets a pass in this game. Nobody talks about the fact that he went 3 of 14, uh, 2 of 7 from 3. Him and Paul Pierce combined to go 8 of 29. Um, they did what the what they they did what the Rockets did a few years ago, like on their yeah. own. <laughs> yeah, they were abysmal, both of them. And then the last thing, this is kind of big picture, but just this whole Celtics core as a whole has just aged terribly because <laughs> this was not a particularly like special team. Uh, they were a good team, um, but it's not like we're talking about the Heatles or the Warriors or anything like that. And the way that that core talks about themselves, it, especially Doc, is they act like they were some dynasty. They won one finals and only made it to two oh, of them. Yeah, that, bu- that bugs me so much. Lakers won back-to-back titles in, in a time... finals. Yeah, in a time where they existed. Like It's not like <laughs> a, a, a Warrior situation happened where they just fell off the face of the earth for the season. They were just the best team in the in the Western Conference for three years straight, and the Celtics weren't. Like making two final series in three years is impressive. Like, don't get me wrong, especially going in as the fourth seed. Um, and that team on paper, Rondo, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, was a very good team. But like I that Lakers team on paper paper like even at the time with how young those players were for them to do for them to go to the nba finals three times in a row was pretty incredible um so yeah i i'm i'm with you on that i think most of nba twitter is with you (laughs) on that when kendrick perkins is talking about you know how great those teams were and if he would have played they they would have won that that game and god him and Doc, everybody from that team. The only person <laughs> that's remotely likable from that team is Ray Allen, and they don't like him. I was going to say, and they all hate him. That yeah. might be why he's likable. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd have to say the Celtics score would be what's H the worst from this uh, from this game. You mentioned it, the greatest kind of what-if sliding doors moment. I think the one everybody's going to bring up is what if Kendrick Perkins was healthy. Um, yeah. I here's the thing. I think the 2008 Olympics for Pau Gasol getting smashed on by the U.S. team because he played a little too soft just changed mm-hmm. him mentally forever. Like he never wanted to be labeled as soft again, like all Europeans were at the time and kind of still are. Uh, so. I don't know. You put anybody in in that game seven with the way Pau Gasol was playing, with how aggressive he was on the offensive glass. I just don't know what difference it would have made. Like the game would have been closer, I'm sure. But Andrew Bynum and and Pau Gasol were such forces on the boards that it's it's just plus you know rotating Odom into that front court. They're just a really tough defensive team, and I I have no doubt that the game would have been closer. Maybe there would have been less lead changes, um, but I still think 
well, given the Knights, everybody else had the the Knights, the Stars had. I think the Lakers would have would have come out on top. Well, and kind of the argument against it, Rasheed Wallace was good this game. Yeah, um, <laughs> and like un- like irrationally good. <laughs> like it made no sense considering how little he'd really played. Um, so it wasn't like some scrub came in and just tanked for him. Uh, she played really well for him. Um, Kendrick would have brought a different dynamic to the team. I don't know that the Lakers won the rebounding battle 53 to 40, uh, and they had 23 offensive rebounds. I don't think either of those things necessarily would have happened, but there were a couple times where she just got open threes because the Lakers weren't really used to rotating out to him. And it's stuff like that, that, they wouldn't have had to worry about with Perkins. But also the other uh, one I had down is what if Andrew Bynum was healthy? Yeah. Um, they said at the start of the game that Bynum could play two or he could play 10 minutes and both halves. And the only way that would change is if he tweaked his injury and could play less. Um, and he basically just played the first 10 minutes of each half. And that was it. That he only played 18 minutes in the game, so he didn't even play the full 10 minutes in each half. Um, you mentioned he was legitimately a stud. Um, he had a series of knee injuries, the first one in 08, that really kind of derailed his career. But he was very much in the conversation for one of the best big men in the league. Um, Dwight Howard was just a physical freak of nature, so... He was pretty much always first, but after that, I would say Bynum probably had to be second during that time. And yeah. the Lakers had it. I would. He was less than fifty percent this game. He was like twenty five percent of what he was. He only had two points and six rebounds. Um, really, all he could do was just go out there, stand in the lane, get a couple tips, and that was about it. Um, he was really just a body that. They could put out there so Odom and Powell didn't have to play 48 straight minutes. Um, so I, I would say if you want to make the what if Kendrick Perkins argument, what if he was healthy, you you have to make one for Bynum as well. Um, the hottest retroactive take you wish you had in the moment. I didn't really have one, but I know one that people make all the time is should Pau Gasol have been the finals MVP? Oh, you, that is a that is a good question only because you look at what Andre Iguodala did a few years back where he was just the single like even if he wasn't the best player on the team he was the single most impactful player in that final series because uh, of the work he did on LeBron oh man um on like if if you're only gonna use game seven. I mean, he was incredible that whole series, but if you're going to use Game 7 and make the argument that they wouldn't have come out on top if it weren't for him, or probably. You have a pretty compelling argument that Kobe has number 5 because of him. Like, number 4 too, but especially number 5. Mm-hmm. I think part of it was, was kind of a recency bias because he was so good in Game 7 and Kobe was so bad. Yeah. Um, Powell had a couple of duds, at least statistically, in that series. 
he had 23 and 14 in game one, 25 and eight in game two with six blocks. Uh, but he only had 13 and 10 in games, game three. Uh, he had 21 and six in game four, 12 points and 12 rebounds in game five that they lost. Uh, he had 17 and 13 in game six, but that was a blowout from start to finish. And then the, the 19 and 18 in game seven, Powell was very, very good this series, but I don't think there was any way you don't give it to Kobe. Uh, and it wasn't like Kobe wasn't deserving. Like, uh, aside from that game seven, really just the shooting part of it, because he had 15 damn rebounds. Yeah. Uh, he had 30, 21, 29, 33, 38, 26, and 23 uh, points in the seven games. So um, he was just as good. Averaged 28 points, eight rebounds, four assists in the series. And two steals. Um, I think the right guy got it. Powell, 100%, deserves all the the credit he gets from that game. Uh, probably his, I would say definitely his greatest moment as a Laker was that game seven. Um, but no, I think Kobe, Kobe was the rightful MVP. Uh, Nerd Corner, I have a handful of stats for you here. Uh Fisher, they mentioned it early in game seven. He was 0 of 8 coming or from three coming into the game and then went two of two uh, in game seven. Hit a three early on, might have been their first points, and then hit that huge three in the fourth quarter. Um, Powell's nine offensive rebounds are the second most in a finals game seven. I would play a game of letting you guess who was first, but I literally haven't heard of this person. It's Marvin Webster in 1978. Uh, it was the Sonics versus uh, Bullets series. Oh, um, yes. Two two teams that are still around today, yes. as we all know. Yeah, I, I was like, oh, he's second. Cool. I can have Christian get who in the world is that? <laughs> uh, according to basketball reference, the, 20, the 23 team offensive rebounds are the most all-time in a Game 7 uh, that the Lakers had. They absolutely crushed the boards. Uh, we talked about how good Lamar was. Statistically, wasn't his greatest game. He was a plus 13 in 34 minutes, um, which means the Lakers were outscored by 9 points in the 14 minutes he wasn't on the court. Uh, largely, Bynum was a minus 12 in those 18 minutes he played. Yeah. Um, here's your Ray Allen stat. So in game two, Ray Allen was eight of 11 from three. The other six games, he was four of 30, 13 percent. Uh, Not great. He, he hit his last shot, his last three. So he was three of 39, not counting his last three. Um, I... <laughs> I still, yeah, that's 7.6% for those keeping track at home. I still was terrified every time he was open. Um, but man, that he was absolutely, he was as ice cold as I can remember anyone being uh, for a finals, especially after being absolutely red hot in game two. And then they showed a montage during it. The Lakers were 0 and 4 in, games, in game sevens against Boston coming into this one. Um, Dion Waiters Heat Check Award. 
I think this one's a runaway. It's got to be run our test. Yeah. <laughs> like, there is no way you can give this to anyone else. Um, well, he had, if, he, he if had a rewards... couple. He had a couple heat check threes himself in the game. If you're going to reward somebody for having just a rational confidence, I think you have to give it to Kobe because oh well, some some yeah. of those shots he took, like from from out of the gate, it's not like no shots were falling and and he took it upon himself. He took it upon himself from the moment he started playing. Like he tried a fadeaway jumper off of one leg uh, when he was double teamed. With Paul Pierce and Ray Allen, it just yeah. If we're talking about irrational confidence, Dion Waiters, that is Kobe Bryant's uh, game seven right there. Yeah, uh, he had the irrational confidence part. Meta had the actually good part. <laughs> uh, best chemistry guy has to be for me Sasha. He was always that Lakers bench as a whole was always hilarious. Yeah. Um, that bench mob was so much fun. He was always, if you watch the sideline during this, he's always up, jumping up and down. He's always the first one off the bench. When Powell hit that layup with like 90 seconds left, he like met him at midcourt, jumping on him. Uh, Sasha was great. Jordan Farmar was great. Really just watching the whole bench, all of those guys were awesome. DJ Bingo was on the bench. Adam Morrison was on the bench. Um all of those guys were incredible during that. The the unintentional comedy moment award. Doc Rivers pregame speech. They only showed a small blurb of it. Here's what they showed. This was before the game. Quote, when we have our reunion in 20 years, let's all make sure our rings touch. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you go ahead and try that one, Doc. Um but I literally, I actually laughed out loud uh, when they played that before the game. I'm, I was going to say, I don't, like, there's not one player on the Clippers that played for that Celtics team. It's truly remarkable that Rondo has like not. Davis did. Yeah. Oh, and, and that team did have, God, it's so funny to think about the Lob City Clippers. They were so good on paper. Like, yeah. They should have, his ring should have touched, but they don't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's honestly, I'm so shocked that Rondo hasn't played. Like Rondo never played for the Clippers. Oh yeah, I'm sure I'm sure Doc tried. Um, the broadcast complaint award. I won't spend too much time on it because there's a lot you could complain about with Jeff Van Gunny and Mark Jackson. Uh, they spent a, about a minute calling Brian Scalabrini a, quote, serviceable player after he had one decent defensive sequence against Lamar Odom. Um, They reminded everyone that he had a 25-point game for the Nets against the Pistons a few years ago in the playoffs. Uh, For those keeping track at home, Brian Scalabrini played 51 seconds in this game, and it was at the end of quarter so that Doc could get more rest for KG. Um, a general complaint I have was that Doris Burke was doing the sideline and not yeah. the not the actual color commentary. And then another sequence that literally made me laugh. Ron Artest was on a fast break. KG was racing back. He smacks the ball away. And JVG says, 
just screams out, that's not a foul. Is that a foul? And then they show the replay. He goes, that's a foul. And that was like all that was said in that like 30 seconds. I'd like to imagine Mike Breen was just laughing at him. Um, Apex Mountain. It's probably both Meta and Pau Gasol. Yeah. Like, I don't know that either was particularly better than this night. Uh, is there anybody else you could see as this being their Apex Mountain? No. I, I definitely think it's it for um, for Meta. I think Pau was just so good for so long that it's kind of hard to tell when his peak was. I think 2010 is definitely close to it. But, yeah, Meta World Peace had never played in a game that big or in a game that big that well. So like yeah. not, not even close. So yeah, that's definitely his. Uh, was this Sasha Vujicic's apex mountain hitting those two free throws with 11 seconds <laughs> to seal left it. to yeah. seal it? Um, He's a, uh, I was, I was surprised to see his handles. I, I almost forgot. He, uh, he was a little, uh, like a little, uh, what's the word? Oh, a Tasmanian devil in in the paint. Like <laughs> that's not what I thought you were gonna say. Um, yeah, I would say honestly, I think it's probably his too because there those were absolutely ice cold free throws. Yeah, like those were to come off the bench after. I don't know that he played at all in the second half. Um, he looks at he played a minute nineteen in the second half, so he played probably like the end of the third quarter or something. Um, didn't really play. Uh, he played a bit in the fourth. But yeah, he. Uh, those are absolutely monster free throws. Uh, the funniest in-game promo, I kind of skipped through most of them, but they had a promo for grown-ups um, <laughs> with Adam Sandler, David Spade, Chris Rock. Kevin James. Yep, Kevin James is the other one. Uh, they had them kind of sitting awkwardly talking about basketball. Uh, I don't know how many of them actually watch basketball. Uh, they said the Cavs and Magic is the new great rivalry in the NBA. <laughs> um, David Spade is wearing a random Suns jersey. I can only guess is Steve Nash, but he's wearing it over top of like a shirt with stuff on it. Like It seemed like they got there and they're like, uh, you were supposed to wear an NBA jersey, and they just kind of <laughs> found one and threw it on them. Uh, and then... David Spade made the pitch for a buddy comedy movie be- with Kobe and LeBron, which I would 100% have paid for. Yeah, it would have uh, been a bad movie, I feel like, but... I would have watched it. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, I got flamed in uh, the Vox Slack the other day because I said Trainwreck was a bad movie with Amy Schumer, Bill Hader, and the scarcely used LeBron James. LeBron was fine in that movie. The, the rest of it was very bad. If, if you would like to support that take, uh, please tweet me so I can send it in the <laughs> Slack because everybody seems to believe that was a decent movie, and I I just could not disagree more. Uh, I will say we can probably withhold our thoughts on LeBron's acting uh, until after Space Jam 2 comes out. Yeah. <laughs> uh Last question. I'll let you go first. Who won the game? Oof. Um, probably Meta World Peace, if we're being honest. Uh, just because I think Paul Gasol's production was expected. 
he's an all-star player for a reason. The Lakers gave up what they gave up for him for a reason. With Meta World Peace, it really was just uh, a contingency plan for Kobe. Because when mm-hmm. Kobe's shots weren't falling, if you go down that list and and you look at their guard depth, it's Jordan Parmar, Shannon Brown, and Sasha Vujicic, which all of them were so young and had no business taking over a playoff game and, and carrying the Lakers to the finish line. So it needed to be uh, Meta World Peace Ron Artest, however you uh, Panda's friend, whatever moniker you you prefer. Uh, it had to be him. Nobody thought it would be him, uh, but the fact that it had to be him and he, he rose to the occasion, uh, yeah, I think you can absolutely say he won he won the game. I think it has to be meta for all the reasons you said. It was entirely unexpected. Uh, it's one of the great kind of role players coming out of nowhere type of moments, not just in NBA Finals history, about any title uh, championship match history. Um, that second quarter, he was absolutely incredible. He had a sequence. Lakers are down six. He gets a layup at the rim. Um couple possessions later Powell gets a layup at the rim meta gets a steal on a uh, off ray allen uh takes it to the rim for a layup um ray allen has another turnover kobe forces a wild shot that grazes the rim meta gets the putback uh, and the lakers go from down six to up to largely because of meta um i'm trying to think of who that would be on this year's team. Like if LeBron or AD didn't have it and they came in and just took over, everybody oh, I would know. be like, I have an easy answer. It's Kuzma. Yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking. But my, my defense of Kuzma was something I do a lot <laughs> is, um, he usually gets up for those big games. Like if, if the, if the Lakers play a playoff game this year, and I'm not sure they will, uh, <laughs> I would not be surprised to see Kyle Kuzma just ha- like look like a completely different player in the playoffs because there's just something about him that whenever there's those big games, um, he just plays like really hard. In in that first game back uh, from uh, Kobe's death, that that break they took, played like an absolute monster. Like I think had a 15 rebound game. Uh, that game against the Celtics, he was incredible. Uh, his rookie season, the game against the uh, the the game against the Celtics, his rookie season, he had that like just stupid behind the back pass. Oh, um, I forgot about that to Nance. Yeah, he for for all of Kuzma's faults, I, he's always known what's on the line with with games like that, uh, with very few exceptions, dating all the way back to summer league. Kyle Kuzma <laughs> was so good in summer league, um, but yeah, I, I I mostly agree though. I can't I mostly because I can't think of anybody else. Like KCP going crazy in a playoff game, I think would break Twitter. Just like <laughs> life would come full circle, uh, cure all sickness in the world if if KCP had a big playoff game. I mean. Dion Waiters could be up there too. Oh my God! I didn't <laughs> that actually that. might be the answer. <laughs> I forgot uh, he was on the team. If we're being honest, yeah, I did too. I I only say Kuzma because there was kind of a divisiveness around Meta. Oh yeah. Uh, 
a lot of people were very frustrated with him, especially it was like it was a lot of him versus Ariza. They should have kept Ariza yeah. over him, and there's kind of that same. They should have kept Ingram over Kuzma. Um, That's a very good point. I'm yeah. actually on. You've uh, lured me on the boat. Yeah, I was gonna say, and then Meta in one game made everything worth it. I. I honestly don't think I complained about a shot he took the next season because yeah. <laughs> I just kept telling myself he's literally the reason we have a title. Um, so if Kuzma wants to do that, I won't complain for a full year any of the stuff he does. I'm hoping uh, uh, that's the case with Danny Green because right now yeah. I've, I've talked to a few people that um, were Spurs fans and Raptors fans. And I'm just like, dude, Danny Green... In the regular season, what's going on? And they're like, "Don't worry, <laughs> he'll show up in the in the postseason, and you won't care about anything he does for the rest of his life, because you'll know that when it counts, he'll be there." Yeah, he. I'm not. I'm not too worried about him yet, but yeah, uh, I think Meta has to have won this game. Hopefully, we see a performance like that this year. Hopefully, we get basketball again this year. Please, for the love <laughs> of God, I. I don't know if you've uh, checked out the site over the last few days, but we've been doing uh, 2K recaps. Um, mm-hmm. Just I literally what I've been doing is I went on to start today on my league. Uh, I start the games and then w- when the choose sides option in the menu, you just go in the middle and you watch the game. And on, oh, I no. did it today. And it's honestly not bad. And I we really are a week it. into the quarantine, and you are watching two K games. It's not bad. It's it's like artificial intelligence against artificial intelligence. It's great. There is an entire league pass library that you can watch real basketball. But, <laughs> um, yeah, this game, if nothing else, reminded me of how awesome it is to have playoff basketball with the Lakers in it. I want that back. I was stressed out watching this game, and I knew the outcome. Um, so, yes, I want playoff basketball. I obviously want everybody healthy and well first and foremost, but I really want this season to include some, some Lakers playoff basketball because it was a lot of fun rewatching this game. And hopefully in 10 more years we can do a rewatchables on the 2020 NBA Finals because – That'll be a memorable one if we ever get there. But uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you did, uh, leave a review. Let us know what games you want to see us do. Um, there's a lot of finals games, a lot of uh, playoff games, either the three-peat Lakers or this Lakers group that we could do. Um, a lot we'll of high-scoring a... games. Yeah, the, everything's going to be better offensively than this one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, so let us know what games you want us to do. We'll we'll try to find them. We'll see what's on League Pass and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate you for uh, letting me host this and have fun with this, Christian. Yo, it's um, yours now. This <laughs> this is your show. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, hopefully, you guys will uh, will check back in with us next week, and maybe we'll have a, another episode of this. But till then, we will talk to you all later.